then it comes to be that the soothing light at the end of your tunnel is just a freight train coming your way. Let's talk about it. Mom, thanks for watching. That wasn't my poetry. That was from Metallica, No Leaf Clover. And um, what I wanted to do, I thought this was an especially uh, poignant line of the song. When you look ahead at what is coming for not only Maddie's basketball boilers, but also what's been happening for Purdue's football squad. I'll expound here in a minute. First off, let's talk about basketball. I haven't talked about basketball in a long time, so I've been reading up on the scrimmage reports, listening to the, the pressers, and what I'm finding is there's a lot of good news out there for our boilers coming out of that scrimmage. There's some bad news. Sure, Ethan Morton, uh, he has mono. He's been out for two weeks. He'll be back in a week as he starts to get back acclimated into the fold for our boilers. As you know, mono is pretty tough to get over. Uh, it's really, really debilitating for a while. Dakota Mathias went through it as a freshman, and Ethan Morton is kind of uh, going around the same, about the same path as Mathias did. Morton will be back in not too long, but in the meantime, Purdue is short at point guard in practice. So they had Eric Hunter, of course, running point, which we've seen before. Then Eric Hunter bruised his knee in the scrimmage. Uh, it looks like he's going to be okay. There's nothing, no major damage, but a, a bruised knee bone is pretty painful. So then Jaden Ivey came in, ran point in the last scrimmage, and he looked damn good doing it. A lot of people said he had his best scrimmage. Painter said it might be his best outing for the Purdue Boilermakers this year, meaning his best practice scrimmage, whatever you want to call it. Um, so he rose to the, account, the, the challenge, which is really, really good to see. But he wasn't the only one. There's some other really good news out of that scrimmage. Uh, one, of the, one of the biggest things was Trey Williams went 12 of 13 from the free throw line. That's a pretty big deal. Um, Williams had a bit of a, I don't know if you noticed, had a bit of a struggle from the free throw line last year. And if he could get that part of his game down, that could mean a lot of problems for the opposition. Williams is also just play, playing very well. He's playing the four. He's playing the five. They have a look where they bring in Zach Eady and Williams together. We've seen Twin Towers before for Purdue. We saw Haas and Harms play together. This is a little bit different because you have a, a bruiser and then an absolute ginormous human. Zach Eady is a big guy. He's seven foot four now. I think he was seven three when he was recruited, so he's grown a little bit. He's a big guy, and Williams is going to be an imposing force. But seeing them on the court together in this big lineup is intriguing, if nothing else. Purdue also has a, a small lineup they've been working on with Gillis and Wheeler at the 4 and 5. Quite a contrast. Obviously, Gillis and Wheeler struggled quite a bit against that Twin Tower lineup. Somebody had to play them. Um, but Edie has not just been a novelty act, not just been a guy who's a work in progress. In fact, he's scored a lot. He's scored consistently. They're having a hard time staying in front of him. He's deceptively quick is what uh, Trey Williams and other people are saying. It's pretty noteworthy to hear Edie is really pushing Williams a little bit, and it looks like you have a 1-1-A type situation with him coming off the bench. He provides, obviously, a different look, a different type of game, but he's playing really well, and he's averaging around 10 boards per scrimmage when Purdue plays against itself in the more formal uh, setting. That's good to hear. Another great thing to hear, of course, is that Aaron Wheeler is knocking down shots. We've been down this road a little bit before with other players. We've heard, oh, this guy's gotten a lot better with his J. Remember, Wheeler had that dip last year, went through long periods of time where he didn't really hit his shot and he wasn't very confident. Hopefully, he's got it between the ears, really. that's I, I think the guy can shoot, but it all comes down to how he feels about his game. 
but it's good to hear reports that he's hitting shots. Um, Gillis, uh, who is a, he hasn't played basketball in two years, which is a long time. He was injured during his senior year, then he redshirted. So he's gotten his legs under him. He had uh, some problems with his lungs this summer. Um, he's back up to 100%, which is great to hear. But he's only six foot six, and he's playing the four. Um, he's a very physically imposing guy. They say very strong, very hard to, to get around once he gets low and starts blocking people out, and he attacks the glass. This is a great thing when you look at roles and how each guy falls into place with a, with a new lineup, a very new-look Purdue team next year. Gillis is going to have a spot. He might be sp starting right away, especially in different situations. He, he sounds like he is a perfect fit for what Purdue fans like to see. Hard-nosed guy who can really go after a lot of people. He's guarded everything from the one to the five in different situations and scrimmages and practice, so he's pretty versatile. In high school, at six foot six, he was a guy that he, he says he was one of the tallest people on the court at all times, and he always would, his his tendency is to drop down further into the lane. Now he's having to go out guard shots, and on the other end, he's shooting the ball from deeper and being more of a threat to pump fake and then drive, doing a lot of different things. But he feels really confident in his improvements he's made to his game. Check out AJ's. They got 20 beers on tap. And when you are in West Lafayette, you know where to go for Boiled Sports' favorite burger. That's AJ's. EatAJ's.com. On top of all that, this might be the biggest news. And this is the freight train I was talking about. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. It feels like Purdue's in a bit of a lull from a basketball program standpoint, right? Last year, if the season would have played out, they probably wouldn't have made the tournament. And this year, they're not projected very high, according to most media outlets. This team is setting up for something great. And what they're setting up for, to me, is that next year looks incredible. First and Kaufman, two guys that are only verbal recruits or verbal uh, commitments at this point. I, I generally don't like to talk about recruiting, as you guys know. But in this case, I'm going to talk a little bit about it because it's noteworthy. First and Kaufman both are top 10 all-time recruits for the Purdue basketball program. That's, that's a big deal. And these two big men... They come in with very different games. One is a very finesse wing type player. One is a strong back to the basket guy. And they're going to complement, listen to this class, they're going to complement the freshmen that are right now, freshman eligibility. You have Ivy, Morton, and Newman. Those are great guards. And then you have the upperclassmen that are already pretty well entrenched. This team next year looks like one that could be well-rounded enough to do some heavy damage in conference, but I always point at March. And when March comes around, Purdue will have scoring threats on the outside and absolute bangers on the inside. Let's get excited. It's okay to get excited when you look ahead. The Purdue basketball program is in a very good place. As I wouldn't call it a rebuild, I'd call it a rapid reload. They're gonna be very good next year. They're gonna be pretty good this year, but they're gonna be very good next year. But in the meantime, we got an official word yesterday that Purdue's tip-off will be versus Liberty down in Melbourne, Florida on November 25th in the Space Coast Challenge. That's, that's a very, very good thing. They play Liberty, and then they have the opportunity to play some um, Power 5 conference teams. Liberty, a tournament team, a very good team, a test right away. This is not a tune-up by any means. I haven't heard anything if they're going to have any scrimmages. I don't know. This year is still screwy. But that's good news to know that they're forging forward, and the schedule is really taking shape. Our friends at Martin Vintage are a family-owned Purdue business, and if you're looking for Purdue gear... Go to martinvintage.com right now. They've got a brand new sweatshirt that's got the old block P on the, on the sleeve and the old Pete swinging a hammer on the front. I love the retro stuff. There's a hoodie or there's a crew neck. 
Check them out, martinvintage.com. On the football side of the coin, after a week off due to COVID concerns at Wisconsin, Purdue gets ready for a primetime game versus Northwestern at 7.30 in God's country, and they're going to be honoring the 2000 Boilermaker football team. This will be fun. I have a feeling uh, there are some tea leaves that are pointing this way that Purdue is going to honor that team with some throwback uniforms or helmets at the very minimum. Maybe the P with the rose through. Maybe they'll have the entire head-to-toe Drew Brees era uniform. That's what I'm hoping for. I really don't have any insider information. I just feel like they're due for a special uniform. We haven't seen any new looks this year, and and Brom tends to do that once a year. And uh, I think this is what's going to happen. But on top of that, you have some pretty fun stuff happening. Bowl projections are starting to come out. Purdue's 2-0. Northwestern is 3-0. This is a big game. A lot of people call this the game of the week nationally. I think it probably is. Uh, when you look around, it's definitely up there, if not absolutely the game of the week. The cool thing that's happening is Purdue's being projected from every, every place from the Pinstripe Bowl up to the Outback Bowl right now. And this week's game, the way Purdue plays, the end result will affect all of that, obviously. Also, very noteworthy, I'm not a Vegas guy, I'm not a better, you probably know that, some of us on the site are, but Purdue has entered the conversation in Vegas odds for a national title. There's 300 to 1 odds for, for our Boilermakers to win the national title. Now, I don't, I don't put a ton of stock in that other than there's real money being exchanged with our Boilers involved and they're on the board, that matters. I... It's not, you know, I told, like I told you, I'm not a better, but it is something that is noteworthy to see Purdue being mentioned in the conversation. At 2-0 and being one of the few undefeated teams left in America with even all these weird things as shuffling continues and games get delayed and held back, being an undefeated team really matters, even if it's only 2-0. Oddly enough, speaking of Vegas, Purdue was favored when the, when the line opened. They were favored by, I think, two points. Then after Jeff Brom's press conference, the... The odds switched, and now Northwestern is favored. I think part of the reason they switched is because there's still no mention of Rondell Moore's status. There's no real mention of Karloftis. It sounds like Karloftis won't play. Sounds to me like Moore won't play. Sounds to me like King Daru won't play because they spoke so highly of Xander Horvath and his role, and I'll expound a bit on this in just a second. But there's a there's a, a lot of things out there that say that week of healing that Purdue really need needed wasn't the greatest because some of the injuries Purdue took on at the la- in the last game versus Illinois were a bigger deal than thought. Cam Craig is out for the season. He's had surgery. Good news on the other side of that is Anthrop. His shoulder is healing nicely. He has started to practice in the orange jersey. If you're looking for a gift for somebody who is really hard to buy for, check out GridironMetalworks.com. Get a Purdue great or get one with one of the military branches on there from your friends and family or even another school. They have some other licenses. You know, there's only one school that matters to us, though, here. GridironMetalworks.com, our pals, Purdue people. The big takeaway, I kept hearing Horvath's name, and I kept seeing it when you looked at all the different coaches talking and all the players being focused on. Xander Horvath is, is, is an important and integral part of this Purdue team, obviously. Brahm said he's going to need to continue seeing good things from Horvath because he's so important and there's nobody behind him. Hewitt's not ready. Armour's not ready. And Tariq Murphy, maybe due to some of the problems off the field, isn't ready as well. But hopefully they're all inching closer and closer to getting on the field and spelling Horvath. Like I said in my last quick cast, that's going to be really, really important for him and for the program to have another option. But he's been very, very important. And Coach Barclay talked a little bit about why this guy's so special. He talked about the the arsenal moves he has, his ability to run a 4.5 four, four second 40, his ability, he has a 40-inch vertical, measured vertical. 
And then on top of that, he said he, he's the guy that opens and closes the gym. He doesn't skip leg day, as you can tell. Xander Horvath is a is a big guy. Xander Horvath is a strong guy. And one thing that Bar Coach Barclay talked about, if you don't know, Coach Barclay is the running backs coach. He talked about the ability for all running backs in the stable to be able to make one guy miss, to win that one battle, and how important that is for the extra yards. Well, if you watch the film, which I've already watched the Illinois game twice, Horvath generally takes three or four guys to get him down. And at the end of the game, all the coaches from Brom to Barkley talked about how much of a difference maker it is to have Horvath there bruising and continually punishing those defenders, whether it's first, second, or third level. One problem that Brom has right now, he says Horvath dances a little bit too much. And so that's understandable that Brom wants to see that first that first move to be straightforward downhill running and then afterwards when he gets in the second level maybe he does something a little creative but at the same time that second level and that third level I like Horvath's odds a lot when it comes to one-on-one -on -one tackling so while we didn't hear the good news we wanted to hear about more he hasn't been completely ruled out but I can't wait for Saturday evening. Purdue will face Northwestern at Ross-Aid Stadium. Should be fun. Northwestern is ranked, and Purdue has an opportunity for the first time since 2007 to get ranked, I think, with a victory over Northwestern. Last year, Aiden O'Connell led the Boilers to a game-winning drive that ended with a field goal and a victory over Northwestern up in Evanston. We'll see what happens this week, this Saturday night, in God's country. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. God bless you. Hammer down. B.S. All the time.